Last week we talked about some of the things about Jesus' trip from um, Ephraim back down to Jericho. We uh, encountered the situation with um, the blind Bartimaeus and his healing. And this week we're going to concentrate on the uh, the what, what's traditionally called the triumphal entry. Um, it, it's celebrated at Palm Sunday, so that would be this coming Sunday. Uh, and it's generally there, there was stuff in the, in your Bible between when Jesus is received with the Hosanna, Hosanna, you know, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then probably some of the same crowd going, crucify him, crucify him. We have no king but Caesars. So it's really it's this trad- uh, tremendously uh, diverse thing that goes on leading up to the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus. So uh, anyway, tonight we're going to concentrate on that. But <clears throat> about a month ago, Vicky and I attended uh, a conference called the Open Table Conference. And uh, uh, it's through some of the people that I know and appreciate, like Paul Young and and Brad Jerzak and John uh, McMillan, some of those guys. But there was a, they had a guest, uh, they had several guest teachers, but this one was a pastor. I don't remember his name. His name Mike was his first name. I don't remember his last name. Uh, but he did this thing uh, that he he does and, and teaches, and it's uh, it's kind of an oral reading of Scripture based upon on vision. So it's called... Uh, we're, so today we're going to be on the road to resurrection, part two, but it's going to be via lectio visio. First Latin, via means by way of. So like the via della rosa is by way of the rose. So it's like a, a journey. So via is by the way of. Lectio is to, is to read. And uh, visio is to see, which is why the TV is named after that. Okay, so we're going to participate tonight in the Road to Resurrection, which is coming up, of course, on uh, Easter Sunday in um, 10 days from now, via Lectio Visio. All right, so the way this is going to happen is is I'm going to read these scriptures, and I've got them up here, and uh, I've got them from a different a couple of different translations, and then I'm going to... I'm going to ask, I'm going to create a panel for each section. There's three sections. Uh, pars is portion or part. Unus is one. So this is part one. This is about all the Latin you're going to get. You're going to get pars duo and pars tribio. <laughs> all right, there you go. Oh, there is one. I saved the best Latin word for last. We'll get to that. So uh, I need one volunteer from Zoom who wants to participate in this first part. And then I, I would like to have three of us from the room up here, and then I'll sit down. And then here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read the Scripture, and there's no real teaching that I'm going to do. And there's some things that are off the table. Uh, you can't say, it reminds me of this other passage of Scripture. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not cross-referencing it. What we are trying to do is we are trying to engage our senses, and our imagination, and our eyes of the Spirit to immerse ourselves into the scriptural scene and the flow. So, absolutely no pressure, except that I'm going to stand here until I get at least three other people sitting next to me, but no pressure on any one individual. Uh, Is there anybody that would be willing to take one of these seats? All right, Isaac, come on up. Vicky, come on up. All right, Jason, come on up. And so I'll, uh, yeah, I'm going to sit right over here so I can more easily read up there. And then who's our volunteer on Zoom? All right, Tim and Meg are going to volunteer. So guys, uh, we're going to pin you so that your picture's big in here. Uh, yeah, anywhere you want to sit, just wherever. Yeah, I'm going to sit on this chair. And then, so you guys are going to be the panel. Here's the microphone. You're going to have to be generous with each other about that. Keep your, keep your responses relatively brief. Again, what we're trying to do is we're trying to let each other in on what the Lord is showing us in our head or in our heart. Okay? Does that make sense? And it'll be a little more obvious once we get going. Now, I know that Tim and Meg are in a good position to help this because... We have these encounter meetings we call ascensions, 
And if you're familiar with those, it's a lot of times the Lord will kind of give you a picture and you say, well, this is what I see. So in this first scripture, uh, I'm going to read these these two two verses and then I'll ask you guys some questions. And don't be offended if I say, okay, that's plenty of that. Let's do the next thing or something like that. Okay, so <clears throat> here goes. And now you guys just listen and let your imagination run into this as well. When they had approached Jerusalem, and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. So here are some questions. What does the scene look like? Who were the two disciples, or what do they look like? Or what was their reaction to this request? Did they look up? What did they see? So, when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Um, I feel like... In my imagination, the, the two disciples are probably talking to each other like, what does he need a cult for? What does he need a, you know, donkey for? What's going on? What's going to happen here? Okay. Not pre-filled in. How's it? Great. Well, I also had the same thought. And then I thought about a discussion during the same discussion of, We've all been together. How does he know that they're there? Are we supposed to just... How's this going to play out? Some uncertainty. You guys got anything, Tim Meg? Yeah, I picked up a couple of things. I, I saw... Actually, I got some names. I actually got that it was Peter and, and John that he sent. And they were walking out and like he asked them to do. And they had real inquisitive looks on their face, but they wanted to be obedient. They went and they said, well, he said, they're there, we'll find them. And, and I saw the, 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 the colt and the donkey, they're small animals, both of them small. Uh, donkey, more gray in color, the colt, more of a chestnut brown. And um, the, the guys were dressed kind of uh, in the casual kind of toga gear and with sandals. And, um, but they were just inquisitive they, they didn't know why they were being sent there i think probably it was um peter and uh, one of the disciple and uh, they knew the scriptures i think it's in micah where god says uh, behold your king comes riding on an ass and the fall of an act, uh, ass which is a colt and um so they were uh, they had experience for the past three years Everything that Jesus said came to pass when they sent him, sent them two by two, or when they said, let's cross the Galilee, you know, and, uh, said now they knew it's the end of the three years. Jesus has been telling him about the fulfillment of the prophecy. And, uh, so they, they were excited to be a part of the fulfillment of the prophecy. Okay. And I said, wow. Okay. All right. The, the, the image I have is that, uh, the village opposite them can be seen. It's not a long way away. I've not looked at the maps. I don't know. But there's, you know, there's the details there. There's, and they're on the Mount of Olives. So there's olive trees. There's, it's, it's, it's a, it's like a pretty full movie scene in my head. And they're getting ready to head out. All right. Yes. I just had two things as we were talking through there. Um, I got green. I don't know who's green or what's green, but green came to mind. Um, I don't know if it's the trees or, you know, the, the vegetation or if one of them was wearing green or what, but green came to mind. And then in terms of their feelings, I got excitement, like, Hey dude, I bet this is going to be true. Like all the other stuff he said has been true. I bet this is going to be true too. Let's go check it out and see like, like that kind of excitement. Like, let's go see. I'm going to put a parenthesis for a second and explain how, how cool this can be. It already is being cool. Like w when you just read through the scripture, I'd, I personally have never slowed down enough to think, 
these guys are probably excited because they feel like they're being included in the fulfillment of a you know so this is what we're after so close parentheses i'm not the narrator anymore next next passage if anyone says anything to you you say the lord has need of them and immediately he will send them if anyone says anything to you you shall say the lord has need of them and immediately he will send them yeah I'm I'm getting that this is an exercise for these two disciples to start walking in the authority that they've been given or that he's teaching them. From the person who belonged to those critters, like, what do you mean you're taking in my cult? You know. Okay, well, I'm going to say that the thought passed through the disciples' head, well, I'm pretty sure somebody's going to say something if we just go in and untie their donkey. <laughs> I mean, prophecy or not, you know, it's... Uh... Okay. Anything? Yeah. I thought uh, the same thing what Meg was saying. You know, that when Jesus sent them two by two, he said, and all power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. And Jesus has demonstrated that power for this past three and a half years, and now he says, now you go, it will happen. I said, let's go get him, you know, and so, so they're excited, excited about okay. fulfilling this. All right. Okay, are you sure you don't want to chime in, Vic? Okay. Now, this is, okay, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Now, this is a narrator in the gospel. It's not a scene that we can talk about as a narration, I mean, as the scene. Uh, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but uh, it, it, it's like the voice at the back of the play, you know? This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughters of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So that's that backstage voice. That's my shot at it. Okay. Anything before I go to the next one? The disciples went. Oh, yep, go ahead. And there's somebody in heaven right then who's thinking, hey, he's using my line. He remembered me. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Uh, all right, here's the next verse. <clears throat> the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them and he sat on the coats. I'll read it one more time. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them and he sat on the coats. <laughs> <laughs> we had a question from the gallery that makes total sense to me now that I've slowed down and looked at it. That was a question that I had. Yes. How did he sit on both the donkey and her colt? You can't. You can't hear us. Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Deb was saying, "Did did Jesus ride both at the same time? Who knows." <laughs> Uh, yeah, I kind of had that thought, Tim. So I'm thinking that whatever the disciples were thinking, their inquisitiveness, it didn't stop them from going. They had their line of sight. They walked down to the village, and it wasn't too far before they saw that there was, in fact, a donkey tied up with a colt next to it. And so then the whole thing was rolling by that time. I kind of, um, for the disciples, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like they, they, as they came towards Jesus, that Jesus had this smile on his face, like, okay, you did what I asked, that's cool. And the guys were like anticipating like his um pleasure in that or his uh, you know, affirmation of that. And um and I don't really know why they were motivated to take their coats off. Hair? Itchy hair? Okay. On also, <laughs> I'm sure that would be very uncomfortable. It would be for me. Anybody got anything? 
Any, what does the scene look like when they're coming back? Who sees them first? Did any, go, the other disciples. Did, did any of the disciples go? So did anybody say anything? <laughs> I mean, I would think that um, by you know in my uh, reading the scriptures and not, not you can't refer to other scriptures. Oh, um, it would be easy to because there's other stories in yeah, yeah. parentheses. There's other stories that say, in fact, somebody did say, "What are you doing?" Yeah. And they did say, "Lord," and they, you know, yeah. You know, they're used to this culture um, that when the king uh, came back from a victory, the victory parade always was on a donkey, and so when Jesus is talking to disciples and he's told them all these three and a half years. I am the king, I, am, I came from heaven, and he has established, I think, in these two disciples' hearts that he is the king of kings, he is the king of heaven, the king of the earth. And so when they are doing this, they are so happy to be a part of this big uh, fulfillment of the prophecy, and it, it, they, the practice was always they put their clothes uh, you know, on, a, on the donkey to... Uh, Make the king sit sit on 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 the okay. animal. Okay. So they were so thrilled about it. So they were happy. They're happy, and I think. And greeted by the disciples, maybe happy. Anybody? Anything else? Is there anybody else around? Hang on. Uh, I think it's a very humbling scene to see Jesus and. and we're where I saw him, at least to start with, he may have switched off, but I'm seeing him on the donkey. And and it just seems like, you know, he's kind of large for a donkey. And and just the fact that it was a donkey and just a jacket on it, um, it it's just humbling to see him. And he was somebody that always strikes me. He doesn't mind being seen that way. He is humble in the spirit. And that would be the scene that I'm seeing with, with him on the donkey. Since most animals are born in the spring and the, the colt was probably a couple of months old or if not older than that, it could have been very warm there and maybe the donkey was sweating and so that's why they used a coat as well. I kind of have a sense that they're excited that something big is going to happen. Something big is going to happen. He, uh, he sent him on a mission. The other disciples watched him go. Watch them come back with exactly what Jesus said. And, and there's a buzz going on in the in the group of disciples. Diane? I'm not sure exactly how to say what, I was, what I'm seeing, but I see Jesus straddling both the mother and the colt. Um, so that's how he's riding both of them. It's because his heart's compassionate. He doesn't want that colt to be separated from its mm-hmm. mother. And also how he says he's the yoke. And so I think there's something about that beast of burden and he's the yoke connecting us. Amen. But I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to put another pastoral parentheses. I, I thought of something very similar to that and I was thinking, wow, uh, just the heart of compassion to not separate the mom from the baby and and how that might have played out. It it boggles me a little bit, uh, but it turned my thought back to Jesus, and that in this amazing moment as King, moment humble, he uh, he had a thought for not separating that the mom and the baby. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. All right, let's see what's next. Ah, here we go. Ready? Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed him were shouting, Hosanna, son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! There's a lot to see in this one. Yeah, celebration. Almost like a... A, a big party type celebration, you know, they're, they're just so excited to see Jesus and want to honor him. So I'm, I'm under the impression that 
the reason they were laying their coats down on the road was actually um, so that as Jesus was riding, that the dust wouldn't rise up and and kind of be on him. Um, it was sort of an honoring thing by the people um, that they would lay their coats down and the branches down so that that dust didn't come up and just engulf him because they really wanted to see him. They didn't want the dust to obscure what was happening or who he was. So I have a picture of a a little kid and his mom. And his mom uh, said, okay, and he ran out and he put their cloaks down on the road and stepped back to the side of the road. And he got so excited when the donkey stepped on their coats. And uh, and after it was over, he ran out and he picked them back up, and he was just holding it, and it was it was indelibly the the hoof print, the dust, the, the thing is there. So it's a personal little bit in the middle of it. I'll read it one more time. See if there's anything else. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him. And those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So i got to say that I see some in the crowd that didn't put their clothes out. So as big as the celebration was, there were still people kind of scratching their head as what's going on. I see that there was something in letter just out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Are there? I think some of the people that have been meeting with him, they're in that crowd and they're very, very excited because they've heard the word and they know the, that he speaks with truth and um, authority. and authority. And they're just uh, really excited to see what's going on. But they know. I see this thing of those that, that have the least are the ones most willing to throw their coats down. Mm. that they're not bothered with their possessions. They're more um, overwhelmed with what Jesus is allowing them to be a part of. In my uh, imagination, what I thought was the the crowd knew this practice of a king entering a city after a big battle victory, like David did. But they didn't know what this particular king was about this, they're shouting Hosanna, which means that, you know, praise, uh, like songs of praise to this king. So most of them were like sheep, just following, and they, first the uh, 12 disciples, they uh, started the whole march, you know, with Jesus initiating this uh, procession, and then maybe a, a bunch of the disciples, the 70, or the, you know, the uh, whom Jesus had sent earlier, they joined the crowd. But when the multitude saw this small procession going, they said, there's something big is going on, let's join the crowd. And so they didn't know what was this about, but because something was going on, just to, I mean, it is a very common thing, you know, being from India, that uh, if something goes on, and the whole uh, bunch of people, they just, they just join in. And you ask the crowd, what's going on? I said, we don't know. We're just joining the fun. So that's usually the, I think that's the uh, idea that I get because the very next week, they said crucify him. So it was just a, a, a fun thing for them to join the parade, to join festivities, which is the, you know, uh, in, in a way, the Eastern mindset, I would say. Okay. So I see something. Uh, laying your cloaks out to make a path doesn't create a very wide one. And the people that laid out their cloaks were staying there close by. So it was kind of a tight procession. And the disciples were moving with him. Maybe some others were moving along with him. Maybe they were carrying branches or something. But then there's another layer out. And I, it's some of the ones who weren't celebrating it. Uh, I can see some of the religious leaders out there. I have a, an, an imagination that there was a couple of Roman, uh, mounted Roman soldiers, praetorians or guards or some such thing, 
And then there were, there were, I don't get the impression there was a lot of Roman soldiers because I don't know if the crowd would have formed if there had been a lot of Roman soldiers. But it also seems impossible to me that there weren't some. And in their head, they have professional skepticism, political skepticism. And they hear the people crying, Hosanna to the son of David. And they know this King Messiah thing. And they fear it. And so you have the the joy of that little kid clutching his coat that Jesus walked on, stepped on, crossed with a donkey. And uh, he might have even been able to go up and pet the little colt, you know. Contrast that against the guy sitting on the horse out there sort of doing a field survey of the threat. Can you say something? Yeah. I'm going to cry. <laughs> I feel like Jesus was on that donkey, and as the people were saying, Son of David, Hosanna to the King of Kings, that he realized in that moment that the accolades coming towards him. Because I think when he was seeing prophecy fulfilled, something in him was being drawn to the fulfillment of it. And I think it was a bittersweet thing for him, you know, that he was happy, but at the, internally, you know, when you're seeing something and it makes you happy, but it also makes you a little sad. And because like what you were saying, Isaac, you know, the next week they're there and it's the same people saying, kill him, kill him. And, but he deserved the accolades. He deserved the words because he was their, sorry. He was their king. Amen. And I just, sorry. I don't even know why I'm crying. It's just really emotionally, really beautiful. Um, okay. <laughs> go to someone else. Okay. So before we go to the next verse, I have one more thought. Okay. I'm sitting there thinking, is this? one of the first glimpses of the joy set before him. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. I'll read it one more time. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. What do you see? What do you smell? What do you feel? What do the crowds see? What I saw was Jesus uh, in his heart really sad because he cries saying, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you like a hen, mother hen wanted to gather chicks under her wings, but you would not. And also Jesus says, uh, a prophet of Jerusalem, you have killed every prophet that I have sent you. It was God the Father in the Old Testament who came as Jesus in the, in the New Testament and he's crying in his heart saying, Oh Jerusalem, Oh Jerusalem, if you had known the day of your peace, in his foreknowledge he knows that he's going to be led to the cross and he's going to be crucified because of the crowd wanted that, you know, if you see Pilate later on. So I I think Jesus was in a way sad that this crowd which is leading him into Jerusalem for his death which was foreordained but he's also sad that this is the same crowd of Jerusalem who's going to call for his death. Okay. Tim, Meg, you got any? Yeah, I was getting that in this crowd, you know, there was a lot of doubters and scorners in this crowd that uh, just really, some of them knew who he was, but, but they really uh, doubted who he was in the Lord, you know, that he was the king of the Jews. And uh, 
And and I just think there were a lot of people that were almost trying to make fun of him with that statement. Who is this? Like, you know, who does he think he is? That type of thing. Unfortunately, that's what I was just seeing with this crowd. They're, they weren't the happy crowd that laid down coats for him or, uh, or palm branches or whatever. But these were people that um, really doubted who he was and, and scorned him. Uh, that I'm I'm seeing is that Jesus is seeing people. He's not seeing the crowd. He's seeing individuals, and and it mourns his heart. Uh, what's what when he sees them and sees who they are and and kind of their pain and maybe their uh, you know they're wanting something but they don't know how to find it or or. They don't know that he's the answer, but he's very specifically looking and seeing people individually. You know, Meg, when you said that, I, I saw Jesus um, seeing the mother with her son that he raised from the dead. And I saw him, you know, seeing all these people that he had interaction with, the young boy that took up his mat and walked away. And so when he's looking out in the crowd, there's individuals that he's looking at, and he's seeing that dynamic of what he actually has accomplished. And it is very comforting to him to see them in the crowd. Okay, so I, my imaginary mom and a little boy. I see Jesus coming through the, the, the gates in the city, and, and he is met with a different crowd inside. Some of the crowd, of course, follows him. The disciples go in. And I see him getting off the animals. And uh, people are collecting their their cloaks and coats. And then I see him calling the two disciples over. This is just totally my imagination because the Scripture doesn't say anything about it. Calling two disciples over and then calling the little boy and his mom and, 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 and kneeling down in front of the little boy and saying, would you help them take these donkeys back? And the little boy is just thrilled. Mm. Yeah. Um, just some of the stuff that people have mentioned along the way in my mind, we're coming together with this part where he's, he is coming in and it's a different feel. Like people were saying that, you know, the crowd's a little different, but on that second layer of people, those ones are there in the 5,000 and different families that he's healed, I feel like he makes eye contact with them as he's going through this line, even, you know, in between people, you know, just letting them know that he has seen them and he knows that they're there and not even anything vocal, but just that eye contact of, of knowing that they were seen and that he knew that they were there. This is a great articulation. Go ahead, Jim. Saying. Might be interesting study sometime to go back in the gospel and see how many times Jesus had been in Bethany before this, and or, or where he was going, and what miracles he had done at that time. It, those people might be in the crowd as well. That was something that I'm seeing as well, um, and I've been seeing. I have no difficulty in seeing everything that's been described, but that was that was an articulation of something that I was experiencing just as I'm sitting here thinking about that. And then I also see um, um, the religious leaders amongst that crowd as well. And I also see eye contact there. But none, none of it is dissuading uh, Jesus from engaging in those that believe. Amen. Amen. Do you have anything big? No. Okay. All right. So we're going to go to part two or pars duo. So I need three more volunteers here. Thank you, guys. Give me a hand. Um, one thing I was seeing with the with them coming into the city, um, Passover was such a like a busy time, and so there was a lot of people that came from all around to be there. So when they said, "Who is this?" it was those people that came from afar. Oh, that really because they would come every year heard, for yeah. the for and so they're more like inquisit you know, quizzical like mm -hmm. 
who is this? You so know? just a very multi-ethnic, multi Right. Uh, and then there's this like crowd. kind of this busyness happening in the city as people prepare. And, you know, it's kind of like a mini distraction. Like, who is this? Yeah, um, okay. You know. Cool. All right. Here, here's this, uh, So we're jumping to a different translation. We're jumping to a different gospel. So the crowd that had been with him when he had called Lazarus forth from the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. Let me read it again. So the crowd that had been with him when he had called Lazarus forth from the tomb and raised him from, from the dead bore witness. So uh, pastoral parentheses. This journey came from Bethany. And Bethany was where Lazarus and, and Mary and Martha were at. Jesus spent a lot of time there. And uh, prior to this, by some time, don't know exactly how long, but like it was weeks, not, not months or years, weeks, was the, the uh, situation where Lazarus was raised from the dead. And so, uh, so crowds that had been with him when he had called Lazarus forth from the tomb and raised him from the dead, or witness. What does the scene look like? How does it play into that multicultural thing? What is it? Well, I, I'm still seeing more of that, um, you know, where it's almost like this is the testimony that he doesn't even have to say, you know, because these crowds came and people are asking, who is this? They're answering, He's you know, this guy, you know, he raised someone from the dead who was dead four days, you know, and so... Then there were, there, I think that was some of this excitement that was happening with it, but also some kind of skepticism. Okay. But then there's this crowd that was with him saying, no, we saw it. We were there. <laughs> and so this yeah. starts getting like the, you know, the religious leaders uncomfortable because not only is it just him, but it's people who've seen what he's done. Okay. And they're kind of now spreading this excitement of, of you know the miracles they've seen it's it's one thing if you hear about something but another if it's oh i was the one i was there you know yeah. kind of like you know you hear something on facebook and then and you know you're kind of like i wonder if this is true you know but if you actually were at the event you're like oh it didn't happen like that you know and so that's what i kind of saw i witnessed testimony like that that's enthusiastic kind of confronts you with something too it's not just like a story you're actually standing there in front of a person having to decide whether what they're telling you is true or whether they're lying. Mm -hmm. Anything else? I think it just may I mean, it put some context to make sense to me where some of the, because there's so many in the crowd to answer. And so when they, it makes, it makes it more clear to me why whenever they're, like when they're shouting Hosanna earlier, I was thinking, interesting. And like Isaac said, like, is it just because? Like, is it just because they're in the, caught in the excitement? But that some of them were hearing these stories from the people around them. And when they did say, who is this? That they were getting an answer back that he raised somebody from the dead. So it makes you go, oh, I should participate. This is somebody really great. And so I think that it brings a little bit more context to why they joined in. But then the, I just am thinking, um, I'm just thinking, like the people who were the because we've we've talked about the excited ones and the skeptical ones and the the soldier ones and so all these different groups of people that almost all of them did know scripture and they did know that they did know what the, what these was so so the ones who were anti him that they as they were hearing that um the the, the murmuring and the excitement and all those kind of things they you know he's sitting on this donkey which they know is and so you know why did he put himself in that place and then to hear that validation no he raised somebody from the dead they're like oh what do we do now because he has power so like the negative ones i'm just hearing that power and that um you know that that fear because he obviously has some power and people believe in him and that that nervousness rising up yeah and i i would say what i saw was very similar to them um even be before this slide i was seeing a mixed crowd and the, the slide just before when they were saying this is jesus the prophet um I was noticing that that was a very negative connotation. Like that was, oh, he's the prophet, not he's the Christ. Like it was, it was um, a very skeptical group of people mm. that were responding um, and even trying to downplay like him being the Messiah. Um, and then I saw this group of people counteracting that and being like, no. I saw it. I saw what he did. Like he is the Messiah, not just the prophet. And um, like he isn't just 
talking. He's actually living it out. And, um, and I also had seen, um, the Pharisees, like, back with the other stuff, um, being, like, watching and being upset and jealous, like, as he's being called the son of David, like, I just saw a lot of jealousy and, like, even building into the wanting to kill him and leading towards more, um, and, um, and and again, trying to downplay that with him being seen okay. as a prophet and All right. this thing otherwise. Anything on Zoom? Confused. They were used to Romans, people that were conquerors riding on white horses or in chariots. This guy comes in on a donkey. I mean, that's got to be confusing to him, a kind of a oxymoron picture. Hence the crowd also met him because they had heard he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees said to themselves, You see that this avails us nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Let me read it again. Hence the crowd also met him, because they heard that he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees said to themselves, You see that this avails us nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. I see them talking to themselves. They're in a tight little group, standing off to the side. Not, I mean, this is their town. <laughs> this is their town. And they're looking at one another. I see heads shaking. I also see some Pharisees in the middle of there that have had private conversations with Jesus, have seen the miracles. They're not convinced, but they're not separating themselves from the crowd of the Pharisees. Yeah, I just I just saw a continuation of the same thing I was just saying, where the the Pharisees were like, "Whoa, wait a minute, we have a problem here." Like everybody is like, "Look how many people are coming out to see him and acknowledge him," and yeah, you know, all that was kind of building up. Yeah, and it's it's like the this group of people that it's like you almost see one or two or or five or whatever of them, like a handful that have been wanting to take him down already. They've already been nervous. They've already been, so they're, so they're like, look, we see, you see what we said? And so it's like, it's like this whole thing of now it's gone too far. Like it's, it's like their call to action to say it's gone too far. Um, so the, the, now the whole world. And so now it is Passover and all these people are here. And, and you know, now, now this is the perfect opportunity for him to come and take control. We, we knew it was going to happen. So it's like, you can see the whole group kind of like stunned because they're hearing all this too and all these rumors they've heard and now there's this crowd but it's almost like okay now he's crossed the line and you can see that that fear and that anger kind of rising up in them because he's crossed the line now it's gone too far the mm-hmm. whole world's coming Gary? yeah i get the feeling they were concerned he was breaking the status quo that it wasn't going to be business as usual they couldn't control him or that mob uh you know like they had in the past that bullying uh, a large crowd like that wasn't going to work this time they had to come up with a better plan if they were going to stay in control and the pharisees as much as they tried to talk him down and, and talk people out of following him. They could see that it was failing with the crowd that was following him. or were excited about him being there. You know, I still think there were a lot of uh, scorners and, and uh, skeptics and, and doubters, but there was a large following they had uh, of people that did love him, that received his miracles and that received his teachings. And that's what was upsetting the Pharisees. Well, I just had a thought that um, since they came from Bethany, Lazarus probably was with them. And so it's almost like, how can you deny, here's the dead guy. <laughs> you know? I'm thinking that too. I think Mary you know, was there I mean, and I think I can't Martha imagine, was there. Well, I can't imagine he would have stayed back at the house with this whole thing right. happening. And so then you're like really confronted with this reality of a, a person who's dead for four days is probably really dead. You know, it's not any kind of, you know, mistake. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, um, that's so miraculous that most people would be shocked. Even even today, I would think if, if I met somebody who was dead, I, I would be pretty shocked. Yeah. And yeah. so I could see their frustration of, you know, now what are we going to do? You know, and with all of these people from all over Israel in town, they're going to go back to where they came from. And say we saw, we met this guy, and there was you know, and this other guy raised him from the dead, and 
you know, and it's going to start really catching on like wildfire. And that's why they say the whole world has gone after him because they see that that's the potential seed that's going to go out from that, that uh, moment. Yeah, I can see, I can see them. uh, I was thinking about what fueled that the whole world. And uh, we talked earlier about the the people were here from all over the, the, the region. And, and beyond coming for Passover, so there was different ethnicities, different, different locales, different dress, and that there was conversations going on at different levels of intensity, and they obviously couldn't hear the ones that were hundreds of yards away, but they could hear the ones that were five yards away or ten yards away, and they could hear a person go, there's no, you know, see a person that was skeptical, shaking their heads, but then the earnestness, oh, but, and then pointing, because I was thinking of the same thing, that's the guy, that's the guy he raised from the dead over there. And I just, I mean, I just am really sad about the word avail for some reason. I mean, because it's just such a selfish idea that this gets like, 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 it's almost, if they had to say that, then maybe some of the Pharisees were saying, no, maybe we can get them on our side or no, maybe we could ever, but they were so focused on themselves. There's like nothing in this for us. Yeah. I'm like, oh, what a heartbreaking word to say. It's not like, oh, he's not the Messiah or, oh, he's not whatever or, oh, this is going wrong. It's, this benefit doesn't benefit us, so therefore, wow. and so it's like this, it's like the worst, I've never seen that word, it's so ugly, but but if this avails me nothing, it's like, we told you, it's crossed the line, this will do us no good, and it changes the whole picture. Wow. Wow. And, and I'm with, I'm, I've had that same thought with her, it's like, it avails us nothing. It availed them their salvation. You know, it, it gave them the most important thing they could ever have. And they couldn't see it. Well, even the cry of the crowd that they heard, that they rejected in the judgment that it avails us nothing is, uh, you know, Hosanna to the son of David. Wow. Wow. Okay, we have another part coming. Uh, it's getting... I don't think I can get to the other part. So I'll show you real quick what the other part was, because it's longer. So part three, Pars Trebius is uh, now there were some Greeks among those going up so that they might worship at the feast. And these men therefore approached Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and begged a favor of him, saying, Lord, we wish to see Jesus. So there's all kinds of room for imagining the Greeks, their culture that that, that was there, and and all of that. Philip comes and tells Andrew, and Philip and Andrew tell Jesus. For some reason, that just seems to beg to be explored. Like, okay, the Greeks are here. And this is, this is a similar context. It's in this time. We don't know if it's exactly, uh, in the narrative right after that other, but uh, it does follow in that, uh, chapter 12 area. Uh, the next verse is, and Jesus says in answers to them, okay, so get this. The two guys come up. So, so, uh, Philip tells Andrew and Andrew and Philip go and tell Jesus. And then rather than, I mean, they probably expected Jesus to say, okay, or no, I can't talk to him right now, but here's what he says. The hour has arrived when the Son of Man is glorified. Amen, amen, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falling to the ground dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears plenteous fruit. Now, Jesus had been talking to these guys about, we're going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested, betrayed, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise on the third day. But I don't think that's what, I don't think they were ready for this answer. I mean, I'm sitting there speculating, that's not what the Greeks asked for, they just wanted a favor. That's not what's going on here. Whoever cherishes his soul destroys it. So now it goes from the scene and the cultural thing that's going on and the expectation that... And I'm sure the disciples, when this thing started gaining momentum, the disciples went, hey, something good's happening here. Look, the Pharisees are even standing off in the corner looking all sour-faced. The Romans didn't do anything. They let it go. Now he's turned the whole thing back on their hearts. Whoever hates his soul in the cosmos will preserve it for life in the age. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servants will be as well. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And then this happens. There's no way we can do justice to this. We just have to tackle it another time. Now my soul has been troubled, and what might I say? Father, rescue me from this hour? But for this I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And a voice... Therefore came out of the sky, I have both glorified and will glorify again. So the crowd standing there and hearing this said, it was a thunderclap. (laughs) That would be fun to imagine as well. Now maybe it was because 
We could be, we could be serious about it and say, that linked it back to Mount Sinai and that linked, you know, or we could say, they just didn't want to deal with the fact that they just heard Yahweh speak. <laughs> uh, what was it? I was, well, I was just saying that some could hear and some couldn't. And like the people who heard, yeah, yeah, were doubted and didn't believe, didn't hear it. They just heard thunder, yeah. And others said, an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, not on account of me has this voice come, but on account of you. Now is the judgment upon the cosmos. Now the archon of this cosmos be cast out. Wow. These Greek guys just come up and said, we'd like to meet Jesus. And he launches into this cosmic explanation that penetrated their soul. And then he said this, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will drag everyone to me. And that is what the Greek says. Not draw. I will drag everybody to me. And if you can't imagine anything else, the crowd was the center at one point. The Pharisees were the center at one point. Jesus is the center at this point. <laughs> He's the center. So, Father, thank you for the this uh, glimpse into what I don't know what even to call it. The strategic day. The day when the purposes that were laid before the foundation of the world, when the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, set up the last days in Jerusalem. The days preceding Passover, which is going to be celebrated in just a bit, with His disciples. And Jesus said that He very much desired to eat this meal. Then there was going to be the arrest. There was going to be the trial crucifixion. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this story. Thank you for capturing all of this and sharing it with us. And thank you for giving it to us to imagine about. Giving it to us to plug ourselves into the story. To feel the dust of the road. To see the enthusiasm of the little boy. To, to see sort of the quirky fun of just walking over to a guy's house and untying his animals. Thank you for the insights that you can continue to give us. Help us slow down and read the Scripture this way. And Jesus, thank you for dragging us into you on that cross. Help us know that we're there still, living with you in resurrected power and authority, knowing the Father as you do. So thank you. Thank you for this opportunity and, and cause this to take root in us and, and add it to our toolbox to engage with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.